ladies and gentlemen, hello and welcome to another edition of the Mr. Warren Hayes Show and I'll give you one chance to figure out who I am. Too late, it's Mr. Warren Hayes himself right here on youtube.com slash Mr. Warren Hayes. Yes, yes, on youtube.com slash Mr. Warren Hayes because I do this show live every Thursday night, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time or Daylight Savings Time depending on the period of year. But it's always at 9, at least since I've started doing it on Thursdays, it's always at 9 as part of your Smart to Haze evening of fantastic wrestling commentary. I hope you guys were all over Anthony Souter's bum on YouTube.com slash Smart to Death. Uh, he starts at 8 p.m. Eastern. I follow up at 9 and uh, there's nothing, nothing, nothing but good times to be had when you put us all together in the same room. I am very, very happy that you guys are here tonight because, yes, like I said, this is a very, very live show. It is extremely live and it is so live that we have people joining me in the chat here this evening. Great friends of the show as usual. Tim Traver is here. How you doing, Tim? You had a hard day today, Tim. I hope that the next hour is able to get your mind off of things, buddy. I really hope so. Mr. Fretz is here. We have Dean, who's here as well. Richard Storm, how you doing? Kristen Ashley. Kristen Ashley. Kristen Ashley. Mm. Is here as well. Robert Larry. Uh, we've got uh, uh, Carlos, who's here as well. Uh, we have oh, the boys from Kayfabe TV are here. Good to see you guys. Sigma is here as well. Holy guac. CM Phil. Blaine is here. Anthony from Smart to Death. What? Everything. Jonathan Pilquist. <laughs> All here this evening live in the chat. And it's a fantastic chat, folks. If you ever have the chance to uh, drop in live, you should Come over. It is a fantastic time. Great people who hang out here in this in this chat room. Uh, just as uh, you are great people to be l watching right now on YouTube.com. Uh, and if you're listening live, why don't you give the video a thumbs up? Share the link out. Let people know what's going on here. It would be really appreciated. And, you know, the, the thumbs ups, they always help. They always help and uh, uh and, and maybe you're you're listening to this on your podcast application your favorite podcast app the mr warren hayes show is available completely 100 available on all podcast platforms from apple to google with spotify and stitcher and podbean and podcoin and himalaya and and uh i said stitcher right yeah, because it's there too. Look, there's a whole bunch of podcast applications out there. And if if you want to support the show on that end, well, you just you follow, subscribe, whatever action you have to do there, a like, a review. Man, all that stuff helps. It helps out so, so much. There wasn't an audio podcast last week because as many of you who tuned in live last week realized, my audio was shit. So I preferred not to... Uh, terminate any eardrums further by releasing it as a podcast. But um, but uh, everything should go smoothly tonight. Everything is going going as planned, so everything should be great. You know what's going on with your boy Warren Hayes as well? Here's a couple of things. 
couple of things that have been going on. Be sure to tune in uh, on, on your favorite podcast application. Find no particular angle. That's JPQ's big pause on podcast. I joined him where we talked about WWE treating its audience like morons. And it was a great time. We talked quite a bit. We even talked about having sex with ghosts. So if you want to check that out, no particular angle on your favorite podcast app. I was a guest this week. It aired uh, it, it aired uh, Wednesday. So uh, go check it out. That was fantastic. And since we're talking about John as well, the Blazer Bros, myself, JPQ, Anthony Suter of Smart to Death. We're going to be heading over to the Smart to Death channel tomorrow, 9 p.m. YouTube.com slash Smart to Death. We're going to be uh, doing our, our G1 check-in. We haven't done one in a while. G1 is on its uh, on its last legs. It, we're heading into um, uh, we're, we're the we're heading into the uh, to the final um, we're heading into the, the the final stretch of the G1. So uh, so hang on to your hats, folks. <laughs> the Blazer Bros are going to ride again tomorrow, so that should be a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, tomorrow Friday. So be sure to check that 9 p.m. over on the uh, Smart to Death streaming channels uh be sure also to head on over to bell to bells.com that's b-e-l-l-t-o-b-e-l-l-e-s for all your women's wrestling coverage the premier site for women's wrestling coverage analysis thoughts such a bunch of talented people hanging out there and uh writing some fantastic stuff of course it is Kristen Ashley, who is editor-in-chief, overseeing the whole shebang, who's making sure that you get the women's wrestling coverage that you deserve. And you deserve beautiful things. You deserve wonderful things. Which is why you should pick up a t-shirt signifying that you are not dead, as the Warren Hayes, the such as the official Warren Hayes I'm Not Dead t-shirt, which you can buy right now at whatforapparel.com slash I'm not dead without any punctuation. So that's whatforapparel.com slash I'm not dead. The link's in the description. There's also the little goofy uh, uh, image that's going to uh, that's going to pop up um, right up here in a few minutes. So you can find that link there as well. And uh, and if you also if, if you also feel up to it, I if you you can also support me by just dropping dropping a tip. Head on over to tinyurl.com/tipwarren and leave a little amount of money. That's always appreciated. And one very last thing, very very last thing. Next week, big SummerSlam weekend coming up, which of course means that there's a takeover show. I'm planning on doing a takeover watch along. So I will sit down in front of a camera like this. And if you want to watch NXT TakeOver along with your boy, I'll be here. I'll hang out the entire evening and uh, and we can talk about uh, we can talk about how great the show is or how much it stinks or but it probably won't stink much because uh, let's be honest, it's a takeover. It'll be great. So I'll be excited for that. I hope you guys will be excited for that. So so uh think about uh, think about popping around. Uh j- jumping in whenever you can. That'd be nice. Why don't you come over? Just bring snacks. <laughs> oh, there we go. I'm glad the kayfabe dot the the kayfabe TV guys are here. Uh, merch, yes, of course. How you doing, Darren Kirkby is here. Darren, what are you doing up at this time of night? Holy smokes, Joe Anthony's here as well. Good to see everyone. So good, good to see a whole bunch of friends of the show. Makes me really happy. 
something that's not quite as gay or as happy or as uh, cheery, though. Uh, today we learned the uh, the uh, passing of uh, of wrestling legend Harley Race, and I'm talking wrestling legend in the proper way or the uh, the Oxford Dictionary uh, definition of legend, not necessarily the WWE definition of legend, although both apply. But, uh, you know, it, there aren't many wrestlers who can carry the mantle of legend as solidly and truly as Harley Race. He passed earlier today. It was, an, it was uh, announced uh, and uh, the entire wrestling world, ha world has been um, reacting to it. Uh, it, it Race has always been considered as one as, uh, of the toughest men in wrestling. Uh, even Ric Flair, Ric Flair has openly said it, that he, he actually thinks he's the toughest man in the world, or was. He was born in 1943 in Maryville, uh, Missouri. He was kicked out of high school at 15 and joined a wrestling show on a, uh, in a traveling carnival at that young, young age. He actually debuted in wrestling at the age of 16. So he has been doing this for a while and he got hardened very, very quickly. And uh, he has been through quite a lot in his lifetime. Uh, not only has he, uh, sur you know, only not only did he survive the uh, not always interesting carnival circuit, uh, not always not interesting is not the word I'm looking for. The uh, uh, sometimes uh, not quite welcoming or uh, or the the difficult circuit that is the uh, that was Carney's at the time. Uh, he also survived a car crash uh, in 1961. Which uh, it was a pretty bad car crash that uh, killed his uh, his first wife. Uh, I think they were they were recently married at that time, and he himself couldn't wrestle for 21 months. They thought he would never wrestle again, and he got back. He um, he uh, his first major spot uh, is when he entered the AWA, where he was known as Handsome Harley Race, and he was put in a tag team alongside Pretty Boy Larry Hennig. Yes, the father of Kurt Hennig. He's also been credited as being the innovator of the diving headbutt uh, during his time in the AWA, and he would later uh, openly regret having created it, seeing the damage that uh, that the diving headbutt uh, caused to many wrestlers, Dynamite Kid notwithstanding. Uh, he's an eight-time uh, NWA champion who joined the WWF in 1985, where probably... A lot of us uh, from the in the northern parts of uh, of uh, of North America got to know him as King Harley Race. He hated the gimmick. He openly stated that he always hated the gimmick, but definitely, absolutely, one of the most legendary wrestlers, innovative even into his forties. Uh, a man who uh, who defined how uh, how how wrestling happened or at least how brawling um uh evolved in wrestling just a strong strong tough son of a bitch very sad to see him go but he will be dearly remembered harley race um harley race um passed today so there we go. Um, let's um, so um, well. Let's get to it. Let's start talking about WWE because that's what I do. I like to recap. I like to start by talking about the main roster shows. We're gonna start by talking about the. Um, we're gonna start by talking about Raw, and I'm gonna spoil it right now, everyone. I liked Raw this week. I thought Raw was one of the strongest episodes 
from a long, long, long time. Um, And it actually started off this week with the 24-7 match where they had Drake Maverick and um, uh, Drake Maverick and uh, and uh, um, R Truth for some reason I couldn't remember his name already uh, uh, in a tag team match mixed tag team twenty four seven match uh, Drake Maverick with his wife Renee and uh, Renee Michelle of course and uh, 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 Carmella with R Truth um, and you know what I'm it just started off with action it started off with the twenty four seven title just jumped right right in i i am ready for every episode of raw to start with something in the ring even if it is the 24 7 stuff every week as opposed to as opposed to promos as opposed to the mcmahon's coming in to to talk whatever this is i am 100 okay with how they started raw this week and i could only i can only wish that they started off uh, more often, uh, more often like that because it was really, really fun, and it was fun for what it was. There was it ends up with a pileup with everyone t- uh, uh, because there was they didn't. That's right, they didn't call it a lumberjack match, although it was surrounded by by WWE wrestlers. But it wasn't a lumberjack match, and the twenty four seven rule was suspended. No, it was a mosh pit match. <laughs> it was a mosh pit match, and the only moment where they had where they had any kind of reference to this being a mosh pit was when I think it was, was it Drake Maverick who was tossed outside of the ring and then uh, the mosh pit grabbed them and crowd surfed him back into the ring. You know, it was fine. <laughs> um, and uh, But basically, you know, there's a pileup at the end when the match ends and it turns out that Mike Kanellis runs out with the belt. He actually wins the belt, heads into the uh, the locker room, Maria comes at the door. She knocks on it and she says, let me in. Mike Canellis is not sure it's it's Maria. He says, what, what if you're Carmella, actually? You know, what are you trying to, what, what, are, you, what, what are you trying to say here? And uh, what, what are you, tra- are you trying to sneak your way in here, Carmella? And uh, she, basically, she tells him, I'll break this door down and kick you in your vagina, Mike, if you, if you don't do it. And Mm. Mm. she ends up pinning him right she ends up pinning him for the 24-7 title and now Maria Kanellis is the current reigning 24-7 title 24-7 title champion and she's pregnant so no one wants to pin her with reason no one wants Maria to take a bump I don't want her to take a bump jeez you kidding me that'd be uh, that'd be kind of sadistic um I've been very much wait and see on the Mike Canellis, Maria Canellis storyline. But uh, this kind of left a sour taste in my mouth and I'm on the verge of not liking it. I'm really I'm really really on 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 the the cusp of just all out loathing the angle, but I'm still ready to give it give it some give it some um give it some, anim- some some time to grow but right now i don't see how it's going to grow mike canellis's career at all i feel like it's right now mike canellis is growing maria as a character growing her career and growing drake mavericks over on 205 live because this week 
Uh, Mike lost to Drake Maverick in a fantastic match. Really fun storytelling match. But, I mean, it's so weird. It's This is another thing. The dichotomy that exists between Mike Kanellis on Raw and Mike Kanellis on 205 Live, the way that... The, the way he portrays himself, the way he handles himself, two completely different things. It's really a quite, it really feels like it's a left hand, right hand situation. Left hand not talking to the right hand situation. Uh, but I like it. <laughs> I, 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 I like, I, I'm, I'm still very curious to see where they're going to go with this. I'm, I'm not a fan of what happened on Monday, but I don't know. Let's. I'm still very much in wait and see situation, but right now the way they're handling it over on 205 Live is much, much better than on Raw. We had Rey Mysterio starting off the gauntlet match this evening to determine the number one contender for the US title to be defended at SummerSlam. Rey versus Cesaro was good, but I, f I kind of felt that Rey was a step behind here for some reason. Cesaro was fantastic and the more Cesaro gets ring time the better because we keep getting reminded of how amazing he is there's a great final exchange between the two on the top on the top turnbuckle where Cesaro lifts Ray in a fireman's carry and Ray flips around to do a hurricane rana but Cesaro blocks it and we're still on the top rope here folks he blocks it he lifts Ray into a power bomb uh, into a power bomb position but Ray reverses it into a top row bulldog as we say in French that was good shit pal uh, then Sami Zayn was next and he got knocked out straight straight out of the gate uh, Andrade uh, was next for Ray and he got the pinfall eliminated Ray uh, he did the I will never not pop for Andrade Cien Almas doing the moonsault into the standing moonsault I will never ever not pop for that um, Andrade then pulls Rey Mysterio's mask off, but you know, eh, may, shall we be reminded that Rey Mysterio for a long period of time in WCW wrestled without a mask, so it's not, it's not that much of a big deal. Uh, Ricochet then comes out sort of like to defend Mysterio's honor. Ricochet turns it off, turns it up, excuse me, early in the match, hitting all sorts of explosive offense, uh, and, um, there's even at one point Ricochet uh, resists one of, uh, one of Almas's patented back elbows, one of the the most beautiful back elbow in the uh, in the business. The, to me, Almas's back elbow is a Judas effect. It is so good every time, and uh, he resisted. He being uh, Ricochet, and he delivers a poison Rana, which was good shit. That was really really nice. Uh, and Ricochet won. Ricochet won the match. So we'll be getting Ricochet over at. Sumer Slam. Then we got a moment of bliss where Alexa recaps so a whole bunch of stuff that happened and she has video of uh, Becky attacking Fit Finley and Natalia who were training in the ring. Fit was showing Natalia ways to reverse out of the disarmor, right? And um, the <laughs> here's the thing. The, um, what's, what's, What's fascinating to me here is Becky, when she walked out, she called Fit a traitor, right? And that, I thought it was funny, not only because she, he's Irish, but let's not forget that at the Royal Rumble, when Becky wanted to enter the match in lieu of, uh, I think it was Dana Brooke that got took, uh, taken out, when Becky wanted to take her place, 
It's Fitfinley who okayed it and went, all right. So it is Fitfinley who set in motion the events that led to Becky Lynch main eventing and winning at WrestleMania. So of course she has reason to feel, you know, fit. God damn you. What are you doing? Where are your allegiances, you punk? <laughs> um, but uh, so yeah, so Becky basically uh, comes on. She appears on screen to threaten Alexa. They're going to have a match later on in the evening. Uh, then we got the Revival versus the Usos versus the OC. That was a hell of a match. It was the 10th time since November 25th that the Revival and the Usos met on television in a match in one form or another. But I mean, there's nothing really that you can uh, that you can say. The Revival and the Usos were really, really great together. And the OC won the Raw Tag Team Championships and they had to. They had, if they put them in this match, I've been talking about this for the past couple of weeks, it feels. I know I talked about it last week. Feels like I've been talking about it for a long time. But the OC need to be established. If they want to create the true dominant heel stable thing, well, they have to establish the OC as strong and dominant. So give them titles. The right team won here. If they were put in this triple threat, they had to win. They absolutely had to win. It was a hell of a match. It was a great sequence where everyone are, is hitting offense from the ring onto the floor. Superplex off the top rope. The right team won. I liked it. We had the Viking Raiders squash, squishy squashing more dudes. The Street Profits were there still hyping, uh, being hype men. And I don't like it. I really, really don't. And I know a lot of people don't either. But it's, it's a very, very poor use of the Street Profits. And they are just getting... Annoying. We had Becky Lynch versus Alexa Bliss, which was uh, which was fine for the for 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 the time it, it it lasted, and Alexa got some really nice offense in as well. Um, it, it, it was a fine match, but Alexa then pretended getting injured, at injuring her ankle, so that sort of ended the match, gave Becky the win, but then. Nikki Cross jumped up on the apron. She was like, hey, you, taking my friend out. I'm going to fight you. And then we had uh, Becky Lynch uh, fighting Nikki Cross, uh, which was, which again, was was fine for the time it lasted. Ended up with, um, with Alexa Bliss attacking from behind once the match is over. And then Natalia comes out and uh and she puts Becky in the sharpshooter love the match love the angle i i thought i dug all of this here i thought it was really i thought it was really some fun time uh i thought it was really some fun time with the um with the ladies here it was really 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 a good uh good little setup they had going here and uh i like that they're continuing uh the Nikki Cross Alexa Bliss friendship I think it's serving Nikki Cross fantastically. Gives us a, a another angle, another potential story to to blow up. I'm I'm glad that they that they ended up not pulling the trigger on it when I thought they did, which was at uh, the last pay per view, which was uh, Stomping Ground. What was the last pay per view? It was Stomping Ground, right? <laughs> There's just so much WWE stuff. So much WWE stuff. How you doing, Chad? How's everybody doing? 
A lot of people seem to be excited that the Good Brothers are getting some uh, some time. Um, CM Phil says, I'm here for WWE actually using the Good Brothers again. Dean says, no more 50-50 booking. booking. We have to establish the OC. Have Finn join up and boom! Yeah, that'd be the dream. <laughs> Joe Anthony says, I'm not... I'm still not over the Good Brothers sharing a name with the 2003 teen drama. Talking about the OC, of course. <laughs> Robert Larry says, I have a feeling that the WWE will add Alexa into the match between Bailey versus Ember at SummerSlam. Agree or disagree with my comment chat? Let Robert Larry know what you think. He's a good guy. That's an interesting, it's an interesting take. Let him know what you think. Um, then we got, uh, 2017 Dolph Ziggler who comes out to HBK's music. That was, that was his gimmick in 2017. You remember? He'd come out to everyone else's gimmick, right? That's what he's doing. Came out to Shawn Michaels music versus Seth Rollins. This match was good. Seth beat the hell out of Dolph Ziggler. Holy hell. I love the DDT attempt by Dolph that was reversed into a falcon arrow. I'm a sucker for a falcon arrow, so that uh, tugs at my heartstrings straight off the bat. Uh, Dolph eats so many super kicks, and he's eating them. It's it's comeuppance for what he did to uh, to uh, Shawn Michaels, right? But then Dolph, uh, not Dolph, but Brock Lesnar's music hits, and not only does his music hit, but Brock Lesnar comes out, and that was a surprise. And Seth is ready to go to go uh, to throw down with with Brock, but Dolph hangs on to Seth's leg, which al- which allows the Beast Incarnate to get the upper hand, and he starts beating the shit out of Seth. Germans everywhere, well, German suplexes. Maybe there were a few Germans in the audience, but I'm talking about German suplexes. F fives Seth into the post on the outside. And then, and then it happens, pulls out a chair, unfolds it, puts it in an upright position, and he starts F5-ing Seth onto the side of the chair, gut first. That was some nasty stuff. It is hard, folks, to take that bump properly. And Seth, well, he starts bleeding from the mouth. Mr. No Blood and Guts, Vince McMahon. The hell, man, Vince McMahon. But Seth took his beating like a pro. This was good, good stuff. This was fantastic stuff. And then um, F5, uh, it doesn't end there. Seth gets loaded into an ambulance and then Brock keeps it from leaving. He prevents the ambulance from leaving, goes all um, goes all the way to the back of the ambulance, opens the doors and <laughs> yanks. He yanks Seth out on the gurney and, he's, and then Seth just sort of slides. The gurney just slides off like into the arena or into the wall. And then he goes and picks up Seth and he F5s him onto the gurney 
Folks, that could not have felt good in any way. There was no way Seth did not go owie, 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 ow, ow, ow. Absolutely no way. That was crazy because Brock launched him into the air. I like this. I liked, I liked this, um, I like the, uh, I really, really like the angle here. I thought it was fantastic. A good old fashioned, I'm going to crush your soul beating. It was good stuff. Uh, did I, I missed a One Tree Hill reference, Kristen? Uh, yes, of course I'm going to read it on our anniversary, darling. What are we talking about? Oh, I'm going to start a stable called One Tree Hill instead of the OC. I'm going to call it OTH. Yeah, that's that's good stuff. Um, I, um, and I, oh, and I would, what? Hmm? No, there's no, my new, uh, for everyone reading in the chat right now, my new nickname, as contrary to what, Ms. Ashley would like you to uh, to believe. My new nickname is not Caramel Tornado. I don't know. That's no. That's and there's no new nickname. There ha there hasn't even been an old nickname, and um, it's not Caramel T Tornado. That doesn't it, it doesn't make sense. I don't know why. I don't know why that would happen. Um. Anywho. After this, Joe and Roman uh, attack each other uh, backstage uh, because it's the uh, Samoan Summit, remember? And Joe is in no mood to talk. Uh, they just brawl around the ring. Uh, and uh, Roman at some point just throws the steps on Joe. And that is a nasty, nasty toss. Like he just launched the stairs. They flew. The camera work here was fantastic, by the way. You know, I, I have a tendency to, to, to point out production problems, especially on the camera work with WWE, with the resources they have. And the, with the resources they have, there's no reason for them to have subpar levels of, of production. But here, the camera, the way that it cut, like to a wide shot where you, you just saw at the very last second Roman throwing the steps like he... He was actually, his, his motion was finished and you just saw the steps flying. That was fantastic stuff. Uh, Drew runs in and tries to go after Roman, but uh, um, go, they go after Roman. They double team, they being Joe and Drew, double team Roman un until Cedric Alexander runs down for the save. He eats a lariat from Joe. The Usos run out, the OC run out, and everyone is fighting at the top of the ramp. Cedric Alexander gets taken out, or so we think, because next thing you know, dude is on top of the LED board, and he dives off of it. Cedric Alexander coming down for a save, folks, is such a big deal for him. Being inserted into a top-tier storyline with Roman Reigns, that's really, really big-time stuff, and I'm really happy that they're doing that for, with Cedric, that they've been... That he had shelved for so long. That's fantastic. And the dive, the dive is one of these defining career moments, right? 
this is the kind of thing that in retrospectives year from years from now, you know, when Cedric starts talking about how great his WWE career took off, he's going to be like, well, he'll be able to pinpoint this moment and say, look, this is the moment. This is the moment here. And I've had people on Twitter say, well, no one reacted when he came out. Of course, because he hasn't been properly built at all. But now they're starting to properly build him and make him do crazy ass shit that's going to help him get over. That's fantastic. I loved it. Like I tell you guys, great episode of Raw. We barely had any interviews. It was all wrestling. I loved it. I thought it was a very strong episode of Raw. Of course, this is the first very Heyman. It was very Heyman heavy. Like uh, everyone is is pointing out, you know, this was the first Raw under Paul Heyman. It showed. And I'm fine with it going forward like this. SmackDown Live. Let's talk about this one. Kevin Owens said that uh, uh, he had a he he started uh, cutting an interview because uh, cutting a promo because Shane uh, said that he would not be at SmackDown Live, and KO says that maybe SmackDown Live should sh- this maybe this is how SmackDown Live should be every week. You know, it's a, making it about the talent, not your stupid face, Shane. Drew comes out. Though when Cheap Shots, uh, Kevin Owens, and their match starts, they were to have a match, and it starts impromptu-like. It was a fun match. Kevin hit the frog splash, the swanton, and the stunner on the table, and then in the ring. Drew even had a super Samoan drop. It was good stuff. I like this match. It was a great, great opening. That was I, I really liked it. Uh, then we have Dolph Ziggler, who's, who cuts a promo. Uh, Bailey and Ember Moon are teaming together. Oh my goodness, they're opponents. That's they're they're opponents at SummerSlam tonight. They're in a tag team. How will they ever coexist? Well, you're about to find out. I liked how Bailey, though, in this interview, she so showed a little, a little, you know, just a little. She said, you know, we're teaming together, but don't forget that Ember, that you're in this position here because. I chose you. And I'm like, oh, damn, Bailey. Woo. That's some fire here. I like that. In the chat here, we're talking about, uh, well, Joe Anthony's talking about, uh, I'm so proud, happy for Cedric. Went from, uh, from went from not getting booked for months to getting two main, raw main event spots in a feud with Drew. That is something to... Uh, to point out Phil said I actually didn't really enjoy Raw as a whole it felt like a mess there were some things I really liked though uh Dean says Drew is very underrated I don't think he's yeah no I think he's underrated yeah I yeah, I agree um and uh Tim says that he heard a lot of changes going backstage and uh CM Phil also says Akeo was brilliant this week Tim also likes him. Blaine also likes him. There's a lot of like a lot to love about babyface Kevin Owens these days. I, I, why is Aleister Black back to cutting promos in his dark room? Why isn't he every week on SmackDown kicking the faces off of people? Someone want to explain that to me? <laughs> Please. But at least it didn't it didn't last too long him asking for 
for uh, someone to pick a fight with him because Sami Zayn later on on SmackDown Live answered the call and we're getting Aleister Black versus Sami Zayn at SummerSlam. You know what? It's going to be fun. You know what? Sami's going to lose. But you know what? Sami's going to make Aleister look like a million dollars and that's exactly the booking that they're... This is exactly how they're booking Aleister Black. Booking him really, really strong with guys who can go. It's fantastic. It's it's smart, 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 smart. Um, we got the uh, Bailey and Ember Moon versus Alexa uh, Bliss and Nikki Cross match. It was a fun match where Ember Moon shined. She got so much great offense and she looked fantastic. It was an interesting ending where Moon hits the eclipse on Nikki Cross, but Alexa knocks her out of the way, actually tosses her into a post, and then hits the Twisted Bliss to pin Ember Moon. So she, so Moon and Bailey lost. So I thought that was I thought that was interesting. Uh and uh I I thought I thought it was interesting. But then it set up Bailey after to give to deliver a Bailey to Bailey Bailey to Belly on <laughs> Ember Moon um setting up some tension. So the idea here was to build tension. Meaning the attention is building. Uh, then we had Jerry Lawler holding the King's Court in a set that looked like it was stolen from a Mall Santa storage unit. That was that was some that was cheap stuff. It looked bad. And Jerry Lawler is talking because we're in 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 Memphis, and he invites Trish to come out. And I don't remember. Jerry Lawler having a segment, an in-ring interview with Trish Stratus, where he's not going, oh, puppies! Oh, Trish! Oh, I want to show you! Why don't you show me your booties, Trish? Suddenly he was quite respectful. Uh, Trish wonders if she should have one more match, but guess who comes out to change to convince her that she should? Charlotte Flair. It had been speculated all all throughout the uh, the weekend that um, that this was going to happen, that we were going to get Charlotte versus Trish at SummerSlam, and that's what we're getting. And I'm fine with this. Doesn't make sense that you're doing nothing with Charlotte. Um, think uh, you know you have to keep her. You want to keep her strong, and I think giving her a match with Trish. It's right up on her level, I guess. I'm perfectly okay with it. Probably won't be match of the night, but should be entertaining nonetheless. Uh, what do you mean, Kristen? You clipped the part where he shared his new nickname. I didn't share any new nickname. There's no new nickname. There's, there's no nickname. I don't know what you guys are talking about. Um... Dean says they got the throne prop set off uh, Friday after next. <laughs> and Sam Phil did point out that he was drooling over her her Instagram. Her Instagram, which is still... There's pictures of her with her kids. You know, so at some point you're like... I don't know. I don't know. We had an edition of the Firefly Funhouse... We have Ramblin' Rabbit telling telling uh, everyone that he's Finn's Finn Balor's biggest fan, but Finn has made a mistake. He unleashed the fiend, 
And again, dropping the fact that we don't quite know what the funhouse is, that it's very, it needs to be exposed. We don't quite know what it is yet. And we saw the fiend, you know, not the fiend, but we saw Bray Wyatt right at the end, sort of menacingly. And then he went, mm-hmm. Rambling Rabbit sort of buggered off and um, Bray had a good chuckle. Um, then we had uh, Finn Balor versus Dolph Ziggler there wasn't much to it was an excuse to get the Fiend out again who appeared somewhere out of the dark and it distracted Finn long enough to allow Dolph to super kick him for the win him being Finn then we got uh, Shinsuke Nakamura versus Mustafa Ali Ali got some fast offense in at first but uh, Nakamura hit an exploder suplex and uh, he goes for Kinshasa at some point and is countered by a hell of a super kick by Ali. But Ali eventually rolls up Nakamura for the win. So, technically speaking, your boy Mustafa has a shot at the Intercontinental Championship. Perhaps it's SummerSlam? We shall see. Uh, final match of the evening is uh, is the, uh, the, well, basically the New Day versus the OC. It's Kofi Kingston versus... AJ Styles. Uh, when the OC came out, they came out to their new Titan Tron. It was written at the top, the only club that matters. I'm like, guys, guys, that's a, that's a little much on the nose. It's a little much. Come on, WWE. Anyway, um, AJ and Kofi uh, fight and brawl on the outside. Look, this is, it was a solid match, but very but very much about Styles and Kofi hitting their classic offense. I like the final segment where uh, the OC go after um, go after the New Day and Kofi nails, just takes out everyone with a dial, a dive. Uh, Styles then, Ushiguroshi's Kofi back in the ring and the phenomenal forearm is interrupted by a trouble in paradise in midair. And Kofi got the win. Kofi is booked so damn strong, like a like a, a, a WWE champion should. It's crazy how strongly he's being booked. And I mean, even before, and I forgot to mention, before in the evening, we had uh, uh, Randy Orton recapping his history with Kofi Kingston again, and that's important. That's part of the that's part of the reason why this match is interesting between them both at SummerSlam. But wow, wow. Kofi is so, so strong. He's booked like a champ. And then the final segment of the night, we had someone dropping some rigging on Roman Reigns. (laughs) And I'm laughing because this was so overproduced. And when in WWE do you ever see someone walking to their interview spot? And I'm like, what's Roman doing? There's like 90 seconds left to the broadcast. There's no overrun. Get on. Why is he walking there? I'm like, wait a second. He's going to get ambushed. It takes away all element of surprise until it's not, it's not exactly an ambush. I was expecting someone to fly out of nowhere. But no, he gets a bunch of rigging dropped on him. And he knows Celsius. It's not that he no sells it. He 
he managed to escape it. He managed to, um, he managed, he, he was lucky enough to not be crushed. But now there's a whodunit. Who tried to crush Roman Reigns? I'll be honest with y'all, guys and gals. I I dig a good old-fashioned whodunit. And it seems to me in WWE, we haven't had a whodunit in a long time. Like a who did this. And I know that there's a lot of stuff that we never get, we never got a payoff to. You know, who was the... Uh, the secret general manager who uh, pie-faced Kevin Owens. We'll never know these things. But there has to be an outcome to this because this is just, it was wonderfully awful. It's so, so funny. Dean says the camera work and Kyla Braxton's urgent screaming for help was bad. I thought Kyla's <laughs> Kyla's screaming added so much to it. But there was like six different camera jumps in like two seconds. It was ridiculous. Just so overproduced. Oh, I thought it was a good time. I thought it was fun. So, good episode of uh, SmackDown as well. Preferred Raw. But... SmackDown was solid as well. Some good stuff. Didn't get Daniel Bryan's announcement again. He's still sulking. But we'll see. They can't drag this on too long, can they? Guys, quick reminders. If you want to support the Mr. Warren Hayes show, there's a bunch of ways you can do a bunch of ways. That you can do it. You can do it by giving a thumbs up on this video, sharing out the link. If you're listening to this on your podcast application, giving it a review, a like, a, a follow, a subscribe. Subscribe on uh, on YouTube as well if you're not already a member. That would be fantastic. And if you have the inclination, you can also support the Mr. Warren Hayes Show by purchasing the I'm Not Dead t-shirt because people seem to think that I'm dead. Well, I'm not. I had it printed on a t-shirt, so that means it's uh, that means it's true. Uh, you can find, you can find it at, um, uh, whatforapparel.com slash I'm not dead link is in the description, or you can send me a tip over at tinyurl.com slash tip Warren. Let's talk about the G1. Now I'm, I'm going to talk a little bit about the G1 here. Uh, not go too deeply into it because, uh, because as a reminder, going to be joining JPQ and Anthony Souter tomorrow evening, Blazer Brothers over on youtube.com slash smart to death to talk about uh to talk about where we're at in the uh in the G1. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh but if we go back in time a little bit, we can talk about the, the results and some quick thoughts about some matches. We had uh, Kota Ibushi defeating Lance Storm on uh on uh, July 27th. That was night nine. Uh, and, um, Lance Archer, uh, low key, one of the, one of the most interesting performers on, uh, most interesting performances, uh, throughout the G1. He's been really, really good. Uh, he's been really good and it's been refreshing to see him because he's not a face that we're used to seeing in singles matches, uh, in, uh, in New Japan. So it's, uh... It, it all his matches feel new 
And that's good. And this was a good match. It was a good, solid match between them both. Will Ospreay defeated Bad Luck Folly. This wasn't much of a surprise here. And, um, and uh, yeah, this isn't, this was okay for what it was, but man, man, this is not the Bad Luck Folly from seven, eight years ago. This is a whole different man, whole, whole different guy. Um, Zack Sabre Jr. lost to Evil. And uh, you know what? This is, I'm realizing that the G1, one of the stories of the G1 is Evil's coming out party. And I, again, I don't want to go too much in depth with it, but Evil has really been turning up the turning up the heat throw, throughout this, uh, this tournament. And poor Zack, poor Zack. You see, he blamed his performance, his pitiful poor performance throughout the G1 on uh, Boris Johnson being elected in Britain. So does, I think that makes him a, a baby face now. Hiroshi Tanahashi defeated Sonata in a fantastic, fantastic match. I really, really liked it. And Kazuchika Okada, yeah boy! Finally defeated, broke the undefeated streak of Kenta. I don't know if you if you saw earlier this week, um, Japanese fans. I think it was the uh, J one. I think it was the uh, Super J podcast who made a compilation of Japanese New Japan tweets from fans. They don't like Kenta. They think he's boring. They think he should go back to Noah. And he should have stayed in WWE. <laughs> they're not. They're not enchanted by him at all. But he got his first loss against Kazuchika Okada. And uh, it was a good match. It was a good, good, strong match. And I adored the final visual because Kenta did... Here's the thing. New Japan. I like it when I start. Here's the thing. As if I'm going to learn, y'all. <laughs> New Japan sees, this ma sees their matches as milestones and never as ending points or turning point uh, not, not, end points there we go that's the word I'm looking for but they mostly as milestones that's why they're able to tell long-term stories and able to bring back classic pairings that feel important or feel good or feel like they're part of a larger storyline because they're always building towards something it's one of the reasons why Okada versus Omega was so goddamn compelling Kenta versus Okada was a very strong match. And Kenta was dominant. He took Okada to the limit. But Okada, being one of the best wrestlers in the world, showed him who's boss. And at, at the very, very end of the match, there's this fantastic shot where Kenta is sort of sitting down, leaning against the ropes. And he's got like his arm leaning against the second rope. And... Just a, a, a little further up, like the camera shot is coming from the bottom of the ring. You see, so Kenta, is, it's over the shoulder Kenta. And you have Okada there with the belt standing, looking down at him, hands on his hips. The championship belt. Like really like, just the visual. Just saying, yo, I live here. This is my house. You're just a guest in it. I was like, damn. And this, just by doing that, it sets up. So much great stuff for the future. It really does. This serves as a, uh, it serves as a, as an initial kickoff point 
for further matches with Kenta and Okada. Because this was not a definitive end all. This was fantastic, fantastic booking right here. <laughs> See, I'm filling the chat. It says, Roman should buy an I'm not dead t-shirt just to know he's okay. And I agree. He should. What for apparel.com slash I'm not dead. Um, next, we're going to talk about uh, night 10 on July 28th. Um, we had uh, Hiroki Goto, Goto, Hiroki Goto getting finally his second win, defeating Toru Yano in a nice lighthearted match like only Yano can deliver. It was fun. Two chaos members. Uh, fun, 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 fun little match. Um, Tomohiro Ishii defeated Juice Robinson. I'm telling you, Juice is looking really, really good in this uh, in this G1 this year. Looking very, very strong, and he's still having competitive matches. It's looking, looking great for him down the line. I think it's this is the uh, this is the coming out party as well for for Juice. Evil over on A block, Juice over on B block. Uh, this was great stuff uh, because, of course, he was wrestling Tomohiro Ishii, absolutely one of the best wrestlers in the world, totally underrated. Uh, you know, uh, commentary puts over the fact that Zack Sabre Jr. is such a great tournament wrestler. Man, Tomohiro Ishii, in my opinion, unquestionably the MVP of the G1 again this year because he was with out of doubt last year. Jeff Cobb defeated Tai Chi. And um, that's been, that was something. But uh, it was a strong match. Don't get me wrong. But, um, you know, I feel, you know, I don't, I, I feel like Cobb, Cobb's holding back for some reason. I don't know why. It's, it's, it's weird. It hasn't, the G1 hasn't been as much of a shining moment for him as I thought it would be. Uh, Switchblade Jay White finally got another win, defeating Shingo Tagaki with uh, Takaki, Tagaki, Takagi, excuse me. Shingo, I think a lot of us picked Shingo to be a lot more dominant throughout uh, the tournament here. Uh, I was a bit surprised. I was a bit surprised that he, that he lost here, but, uh, um, you know, uh, We'll see what happens. You know, White still has uh, upcoming matches against uh, Naito. Um, or, yeah, he has matches. Uh, or he had his match against Naito. I'm sorry, I'm a little confused. But, like, he still has Moxley down the road. We'll see We'll see how White still fares here. But he's been very, very low-key here as well. And, um, and we had, uh, as the main event, John Moxley versus Tetsuya Naito. I thought it was good. I thought there was, was a, a, a strong, strong showing by both guys. I mean, if there's one thing I've learned watching Naito wrestle is he he is able, he excels when he wrestles Gaijin. There's something when he starts fighting non-Japanese wrestlers that just clicks in him and he just becomes really, really violent and brutal. This was great. This was absolutely great. It was a fantastic match. 
One that you should def definitely check out, John Moxley versus um, Tetsuya Naito. was great stuff. Uh, let's see now. We're up to night 11 right here. Night 11 for the uh, for the A block now. Bad Luck Fale. Um, uh, we had Bad Luck Fale versus uh, Kota Ibushi. This wasn't a good match. It's rare that I come out really like or something like that but this was a uh, this was not a good match and it actually turns out it, um, Ibushi defeated bad luck Fale actually turns out it's Ibushi's first win over Fale ever if you want to believe that we had Will Ospreay versus Zack Sabre Jr. in a hell of a match it was amazing extremely extremely good where we had Sabre counting out of the uh, Stormbreaker into an octopus hold and a nasty looking octopus hold. It sort of turned into some kind of variant and he got his first submission win of the tournament on Will Ospreay. So Ospreay, Ospreay not shining as much as uh, maybe some people expected, but look, this, this G1 has been so unpredictable and nuts. I don't think anyone's predictions actually came... Uh, I don't think anyone's predictions came true here. There's been just too many surprises, too many spoilers. I mean, like Toruyano coming, Toruyano coming out with wins. It's just been weird. Kazuchika Okada defeated Lance Archer. I thought this was good. It was a nice, strong match. Again, a great showcase for for Archer. No surprise here that Okada went over, but. Um, Archer, man, he's been solid and consistent the whole way through. Uh, Kenta defeated... Um, um, no, sorry, Sonata defeated Kenta using the Skull End and Moonsault. So Ken Kenta's uh, uh, streak of victories coming to a crashing halt here. I'm glad Sonata picked it up. This was... I think this is Sonata's... Second win, I think. Which was odd because I really thought that they were going to showcase him much more than that. Uh, and uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi defeated Evil in a really solid main event. I have nothing more to add. It was just, it was, it was a good, solid main event. Nothing to write home about, but uh, the, they laid into each other. And it's still surprising Still surprises me that um, uh, that uh, Tanahashi is uh, still accepts to work such strong, strong style like this. Uh, and finally, the matches that happened earlier today or late last night, depending on your point of view, August the first, night twelve of the G One, we had Jeff Cobb defeating Shingo Takagi again. Shingo definitely not having the G1 that uh, that he was anticipating. But this was solid. This was a match where Jeff Cobb had someone that he could play off his strength, his strengths off of, play off of his strengths off of, off of his strengths. It was really, really good. Gonna take just a sip of water here. Because uh, <clears throat> this is when I have to announce with a certain amount of gusto. <clears throat> Ladies and gentlemen, 
Toru Yano defeated John Moxley. Toru Yano defeated John Moxley. Not only does this break Moxley's winning streak in the G1, but it is his first New Japan defeat. And it is such, the, it is the most Moxley thing when you think about it. To take his first loss against Yano, it makes perfect sense. It was so good. It was so stupid good. Moxley played off of him perfectly. And it ended with Yano taping uh, Moxley's leg to uh, Shota Umino's leg on the outside so that Moxley couldn't uh, couldn't get back into the ring on time to beat the uh, 20 count. I thought it was fantastic. And Yano was so happy. He even offered, he even offered him a free DVD and 10,000 yen at the start of the match. Moxley didn't have... Moxley could have had that. Oh. Like Carlos says in the chat, who had Yano in their pool? Jesus. I'm going to talk about this more uh, tomorrow with the Blazer Bros. But folks, just keep this in perspective. Last year, Toru Yano defeated Kenny Omega at the time, IWGP heavyweight champion, pinned him clean in the ring. He defeated Naito this tournament. He defeated Jay White. And now he broke John Moxley's winning streak. Folks, when are we giving Toru Yano his spot at the main event of Wrestle Kingdom? Jesus! <laughs> oh! God, I love the G1. I love it so much. Um, Naito defeated Juice Robinson in a in a uh, fun little brawl as well. I thought uh, I I thought Juice looked really good in it. Jay White defeated Taichi in a uh, in, in a an okay match as well. And Hiroki Goto defeated my boy Ishii. They had a stellar match at the G1 last year. They had another one again this year. But once again, you can't have a bad match with Tomohiro Ishii. You just can't. But Goto and Ishii, they're on the same wavelength. They work really, really well together. I was thrilled that they had another ex exquisite match together. It was tons of fun. Tons and tons of fun. So um, let's have a look here at the current standings for the G1. In block A, we have Kazuchika Okada, the only, uh, the only participant who is now currently undefeated at 12 points. At eight points, we have Kenta Kota Ibushi and Hiroshi Tanahashi and Evil at six. These are all wrestlers who still have a chance at winning the block. However, Lance Archer, Will Ospreay, Sonata, Zack Sabre Jr. and Bad Luck Fale, they are all out of the running all they can do is spoil it for others. Over in block B, it's a different story. You have John Moxley who's still at the top with 10 points. At six, and the rest, most of the field then are all tied at six points. Ishii, Robinson, Yano, Naito, Cobb, White, Goto, all at six points. I'm digging B block right now because literally anything is going to happen. 
This is drama for the next few days, folks, because anyone can pull out in front here. This is going to be really exciting, and I might just still prove everyone wrong, and Naito's going to come on top, come out on top, redeem himself from his despicable start, and his comeback, his comeback story's on the way. Taichi and Tagaki, Tagaki, Shingo, are out of the tournament, though. They both have four points. It, they are donezo. But if you want to hear more interesting thoughts about all of that, come and join us tomorrow at 9 p.m. YouTube.com slash smark to death. Can we talk about Tony Storm's NXT title run? I think we're at a we're we're at a moment where we have to take a minute here just to talk about uh just to talk about where we're at. With Tony, because there's been a, there was a lot of talk online through pundits who uh, who didn't seem to care much for um, who didn't seem to care much for um, Seth Rollins' Universal Championship uh, run. That it was very lackluster. Or if we're going to talk about lackluster. Uh, lackluster uh, um, if we're going to talk about excuse me lackluster title reigns uh, breaks my heart but we can't really look any farther than um, than Tony Storm's run with the uh, run with the belt she had of course had a great Mae Young Classic had some fantastic matches there. She uh, she also had um, she also had a fantastic match last year uh, against um, also had a fantastic match against uh, uh, Dakota Kai over at NXT UK. Uh, she's a great wrestler. Don't get me wrong. I like Tony Storm. I like her a lot. And I don't think this is on her. I feel like the booking has not been on her side. She won the title at uh, at Takeover Blackpool in January this year. So she's she's eight months into her into her uh, her championship run. She defeated Rhea Ripley in a rematch. She defeated Ginny. She defeated um, she uh, she defeated. Well, uh, th there was a triple threat match at When Worlds Collide. If you want to count that, but I think you should. Against uh, was a triple threat against Bianca Belair and Nikki Cross. She defeated Nina Samuels. That's pretty much it. Now, <clears throat> I don't know what I don't know how I, if you guys in chat watch NXT UK and but feel free to chime in. Of course, the problem that NXT UK has befuddles me because they have a fantastic absolutely fantastic roster of women talent they have the they they have tony storm and i said it. they have Ginny. they have uh, uh, uh nina samuels piper niven ria they have uh, kaylee ray now jazzy gabbert who's fantastic isla dawn killer kelly they have an extremely deep roster of women 
but they don't seem to be able to properly build them as strong contenders to Tony's title. Nina Samuels is an extremely talented, highly entertaining wrestler. She did some fantastic stuff in Eve. She's really, really good. But she was barely built up to face Tony Storm. She sort of came out of nowhere. A bit of an iffy gimmick. Nina Samuels show, you know, sort of like a <clears throat> almost like a vaudeville thing. Not quite sure what, what the vibe is. And she I don't know if you guys saw the match that they had, she and, and Tony Storm, but it kind of stunk. It was not very good. And that it, it was shocking to me because Samuels and Storm are fantastic. Ginny and Tony Storm have had legendary battles on the independent circuit in the British uh, in the British Empire and throughout Europe. <laughs> British Empire. But they were really, really really fantastic together. Epic battles. They had basically a blow-off match, just a, a nothing match, where it was not up to par with, with what they, they're, they're usually capable of. Now they brought in Kaylee Ray. They tout her as being this mad woman who can do crazy things, the female Sabu, which she is. Again, if you're familiar with her work in Eve and so on and so forth, but if you just look at her and what they're doing with her on NXT UK, you're like, who? what's so special about her? There's nothing special about her. I, this is not on Tony. This is on the booking, but her, I feel like her, like her, uh, I really do feel that her title reign has been, has not been special. It's been extremely underwhelming and it's baffling to me that it is because there are too many strong, strong com com competitors, excuse me, within the confines of NXT UK to be able to sit down and to, to, to not have the match that we expect out of her. It's for me, completely baffled. Let me see what Chad is talking about here. Where we are talking about, um, we are talking about um, about Tony Storm here quite a bit. Um, Joe Anthony says liked uh, I liked her feuds with Rhea and uh, Nina Samuels, but the matches were a big boring. And I mean, the feud with Nina Samuels was basically non-existent. The feud with Rhea is is the is the only real feud that she's had so far. They're doing their best with Kaylee Ray, but. Um, Carlos says Tony should lose the bell to either Ginny or hell Dakota. Can't wait for Dakota Kai to get um, cleared uh, to return, cleared and return to, to competition. Um, CM Phil says this week I found Rhea is dating. Uh, I I found out that Rhea is dating a. Okay, hang on, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm quite sure. Uh, but Simple, no, Simple says Ginny versus Tony on NXT UK wasn't that great. Their matches elsewhere have been better. Jason PS3, hi, by the way. Tony never had a threat for her title. That's one of the main issues. And, you know, she's she's a very good, uh, she's a very, very good figurehead for the division. But her, 
Rain has just been so, so lackluster. And that's a shame. It really, really is a shame. And since we're talking about uh, other, uh, since we're talking about women's wrestling, I'm, heard, I'm sure you heard Tennille Dashwood signed with Impact earlier this week. It was announced. I think this is the best move that she could do. I don't think, uh, like, there, there is no reason for her. Let me start over. Outside of going to women's only independent uh, uh, independent uh, 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 promotions. There's no reason for her to go anywhere else than Impact right now. There really isn't. Uh, I don't think WWE would be all that welcoming. And besides, their, their women's division isn't quite exciting these days, is it? She just came away from Ring of Honor. And we know that in Ring of Honor, the women's division is a bit of a joke. Very poorly, poorly managed. Impact right now, very objectively, has the most interesting setup for women's wrestling. I'm capable of popping in and out, watching some Impact once in a while. I actually joined uh, the um, Get the Tables boys last Friday on their restream of, uh, of Impact. Was able to watch... Jordan Grace versus Kira Hogan tear it up. And really, when you think about it, the the women on impact, the women's division on impact is very, very deep. And they they being impact, they give their women time to perform. Of course, and you, of course, we think about Tessa, we think about Taya, they also have Rosemary, they have Sue Young, they have uh, Kira Hogan, Jordan Grace, Grace, Jessica Havoc. They got Madison Rain, but nobody's perfect. <laughs> Tanil being added to that is the is it makes absolute sense because it's the only place right now, as far as a promotion with a TV deal airing matches right now, it's the only place that has real interesting, fun, competitive women's matches where the women's division is not relegated to the back burner. So it. It was the perfect move for her to uh, the perfect move for her to happen. AEW, maybe you shall say. What about AEW? They have great women, sure, sure. But you know, as far as their pay per view showing with the women so far, I'm I'm a little iffy on their women's division right now. Not on the women themselves, but how it's being handled. We're going to give them the benefit to see what happens when television sets in, in October. We'll see what happens there. But right now, even AEW, it's not a proven commodity. So, Like I said, right now, it makes the most sense for Dashwood to go to Impact and tear it up there. She's going to have fantastic matches with, ed with everyone there. Hell, she might even... Ah, she might even get a good match out of Madison Rain. Who knows? And and one last thing, just before we sign off for the evening here. When I when I tweeted this out and I said I used those exact words, best move that Tennille Dashwood could do, go to Impact. I started getting responses. 
Impact's a dying brand. Impact's a dying brand. Impact is dying. Impact? The <laughs> People have been saying that Impact is dying for the past 10 years. Oh yeah, but we're closer than ever. They've been saying that Impact is dying for the past 10 years. Until they actually do pull the plug on Impact Wrestling, I am not buying into any rumors about any death. And this is regardless of any promotion out there. Because there are some people who say the same thing about Ring of Honor. Ring of Honor's dead. They said Ring of Honor was going to die when they brought Jim Cornette aboard. They said Ring of Honor was going to die when Kevin Steen and El Generico and Adam Cole left. They said that a Ring of Honor is going to die now that the Elite is gone. Listen, if there's one thing that I that I wish I was able to have fellow wrestling fans who can predict the death of promotions, have your level of clairvoyance and vision to be able to make that kind of assessment. Not even when WCW was at its worst were people saying that WCW is going to fold, it's going to die. ECW is not going to die. Vince McMahon is secretly ba ba bankrolling it. I've heard this so many times before about so many promotions. Oh, it's dying. They're going to die. They're going to die. And they're still... Impact TNA has been around for such a long time now. Oh, and they're dropping the NWA affiliation. They're going to die. Oh, ECW is dropping the NWA affiliation. They're going to die. Man, I have heard this shit so many times. Coming to me with an argument. Oh, she's joining a dying brand. Yeah. Go to hell. <laughs> I don't... I am not buying into it. And, and then I have other people saying, oh, but now that Tessa's fighting men, it diminishes the women's division. What the hell are you talking about? Diminishes the women's division. Let, let, let Tessa have intergender matches with Sammy Callahan. That's fine. She, she's not women's champion. There's still a champion and there's still the women doing their own thing. Why not have some mix and match? It's not destroying a division. Au contraire, if anything, it's making it even more interesting. May You know, if Impact was bold enough, if they had the guts to do it, they could just eliminate divisions altogether and be very much like Chikara, where there's just, there's just wrestlers. There's no men's division. There's no women's division. There's just wrestlers and everyone fights. Look at Anthony and Smart from Smart to Death. Ring of Honor is actually dying, though. Yeah, Ring of Honor is on life support because oh, because New Japan doesn't want to be friends with them anymore. Swear to God, I've heard this before, honestly. And if it does die, if it if it if Ring of Honor does go the way of the dodo and disappears, it'll be a sad, sad moment. But you can predict the death of a promotion for years and years and years. Like, I, I could be sitting here right now telling you, WWE, it's going to die. It's going to die. And then in 30 years, 
when some some something calamitous happens where it collapses, I'm gonna sit up on my deathbed and say, <coughs> I told y'all it was dying. Anyhow, anywho, anyway, I'm gonna wrap this one up. Oh, just oh, I'm okay with Goldberg wrestling at WrestleMania against uh, against Dolph Ziggler. I'm okay with that happening if it's a short match, a and a short explosive Goldberg match, because he does have to erase the Saudi show. He really does. He has to remove that from his from his legacy. He shouldn't have wrestled again. His final match was fine. Absolutely perfect. But yeah, I am absolutely okay. Folks, that's our show. It's really hot tonight. I'm going to open some windows because it's nice and cool outside. going to turn on a fan, maybe even watch a movie. Kristen, I hope you're ready for a movie because I know I am. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank you all for tuning in this evening, for watching. Be sure to come back next week. Be sure to come over tomorrow for the Blazer Bros. And be sure to mark on your calendars if you want to watch uh, TakeOver uh, Takeover Toronto with me, TakeOver Toronto 2. It'd be my pleasure to have you. Remember, buy the t-shirt! Whatforapparel.com slash I'm not dead. Leave me a tip at tinyurl.com. Tip Warren uh, and... Uh, the great ways to show the show. Show your support any way you, you want. And, you, and, and just by being here. Just by being here. it's all. It already touches my heart. And I appreciate you so much for being here. And on that note, I will see you next time.